Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. F- Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome to the Doc G Show. I'm your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the one, the only, Dave Burles Berlin. Say what? Doc, man, I was having a great Wednesday. Yes! Knew we were recording the show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I'm in the middle of working, mm-hmm. and my boss said I have to shave my beard. What? What? This whole COVID thing. Hold the phone. You have to shave your beard? Girl, come on. To oh, fit into God. my... My N95 mask, man. Oh, no. Dave, this I mean... COVID is taking everything from us. The hardships. Including our facial hair. The hardships, Dave. The beard. When is the last time you haven't had a beard? Can you at least have, like, fuzz? Hmm. No, well, I could probably have fuzz. Like, but it's got to be. A... it's got to be minimal fuzz. Right, like I could probably take the electric razor and just go, you know, straight straight blade and have peach like five o'clock shadow. I don't know, Dave. But that's it. I don't know. I I, I had to look back. I hadn't done that since 2016. Are you gonna quit? Is that gonna is that gonna (laughs) just end your job there? Is that gonna be how it ends? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm gonna jump in the unemployment. Okay, (laughs) I was about to say it's it's worth it. I mean, that's a fact. Beard or job? Beard comes first, so obviously. True. Right. Is, right. Oh, man, that is tough, Dave. I'm sorry to hear that, sir. No, no. D- I know you would feel sympathy for me. <laughs> um, I apologize to all the listeners. No doubt, there's somebody that's actu- actually been affected by <laughs> this pandemic, and they're like, "Hey, shut up about your beard, you morons." I get it. Shave your I get, beard. I get it. I get it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyways, We're Dave. Sorry, that was insensitive. Now, on the show, though, I like to open shows sometimes by talking about products that I have enjoyed. So true. You know? Yeah, that you like to endorse a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure they don't appreciate my endorsement, but I still nonetheless endorse them, you know? Like Mm. toothbrushes, Tom Brady pajama pants, you know? Um, They've they've revolutionized the way that... My life has lived, Dave, these products. So I feel like I have to bring them to other people. Well, I have another product that joins the pantheon of great products that I need to bring up. Hmm. Dave, I present to you the Dyson V11 cordless vacuum. Yeah. Yeah. Now I know what you're saying. A vacuum? Come on. It's a vacuum. Who cares? Dave, this is vacuuming like you've never experienced before. This vacuum fills your head with dreams of sucking. So true. You have (laughs) no idea. First of all, for all the space cadets out there that are like, Ben, what about a Roomba? Your Roomba has 120th the sucking power of this mammoth sucking machine. All right? A V11 is amazing with its suckiness. In a head-to-head battle, your Roomba would get left in the dust by this Dyson. No doubt. 
Amen. Amen, Dave. So, Dave, I was first introduced to this Dyson by purchasing it for my dad for Christmas. Hmm. Um, that was nice of you. Very yeah. thoughtful gift. Well, see, my dad's very fastidious about his cleaning. He's, he's all about mm-hmm. some vacuuming. Mm-hmm. And I had an older model Dyson, right? I'd purchased yeah. an older mm-hmm. uh, model Dyson, and I had left it at my parents' house. And he had started using mm. it all the time, and he was a pretty big fan, you know? And so okay. I was okay. like, well... How about I get him his own that's even better than this one, right? Say what? Mm. This new Dyson, it revolutionizes the game. I would say this is the Michael Jordan of vacuums if that wasn't a (laughs) blasphemous thing to say, you know? That is a steep, steep statement. I know, I know. So I bought this vacuum for my dad, and every weekend since Christmas, he'll give me an update of what he's vacuumed with the Dyson. <laughs> He'll be like, Ben, I, I did the uh, I did the couch downstairs. You know how many times it got Spotless. filled up with dust? Two times, Ben, I had to empty it. Two! Say what? And I'm like, oh my God. Right? You know? It's amazing. Mm-hmm. The advantages of this vacuum, Dave, get out of town. My goodness. Word. I mean, the seamless transition from hardwood to carpet, like no other. Like no other, you don't have to change anything. You don't have to do anything. It adjusts the frequency of spin. It adjusts the frequency of suction. What? Love it. Yeah. Yeah. And now here's the kicker, Dave. You know I'm a hairy dude. That's a fact. I'm very hairy. You are hairy. Um, And if you have long hair on your head and you try to vacuum, you know what usually happens? Mm -hmm. Gets caught up in the brush head, you know? The little yeah, vacuum yeah. brush head, and then sure. you lose like half your sucking power. Not to mention that after like five minutes of vacuuming, you have to cut all the hairs off of the 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 vacuum head. It's annoying, Dave. Girl, come on. Very annoying. True. True. Dave, with this vacuum, I could shave Rapunzel, and the Dyson would have no problem sucking the hair up. It would do it all, Dave. Wow. Suck it all up. Ooh. 500 pounds of Damn. Rapunzel hair. It would be in that <laughs> Dyson. You don't even know. I'm just saying, folks, if if you're looking to get hype about your cleaning during the pandemic, the Dyson's where it's at. You can get hype. Has your, has your cleaning increased? Yeah. Yeah, Dave. Okay. I've been vacuuming. Okay. Vacuuming like nobody's business since I got it. I mean, my goodness. My goodness. The dust that I have cleaned up. The M&Ms <laughs> that I dropped under my couch Ew. that no longer are there because that Dyson sucked those babies up. Yeah, that was impressive. Impressive. But we're probably going to get a cease and desist order from Dyson for ruining their product by being associated with our show. That's a fact. So in the meantime, while we're waiting for that cease and desist, are you ready to fire up the show, Dave? Let's fire it up, man. All three engines up and burning. Two, one, zero, and liftoff. My goodness, Dave. Extraordinary show today. As I've told you before, we have the fantastic John Craigie on the show. He's been performing pretty much for the last 15 years straight. You know, so this... uh, Man. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, so this... uh, this quarantine's a little bit different for him, you know? That's right. He's got all kinds mm-hmm. of fans over the world, Andy Frasco being one. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff, me and him. I'm very excited. But first, 
start where we start. Birthday suit. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Now, I will say, Dave, this birthday suit has a link to our show. Word. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, born on April 15th, 1978 in Lexington, Kentucky. His father was a coal miner. In fact, his family had a long line of coal miners in their history. Growing up, our birthday sewer was a good athlete in football and a salutatorian of his class. He ended up going to Vanderbilt to study engineering, but dropped out after a year. While growing up, he always had music on his mind. And when he dropped out of college, he started playing in a Travis Tritt cover band. He then moved to Nashville to start a career in music. Not too long after moving there, he joined a band called The Steel Drivers and was their lead singer. But in 2010, he dropped out to focus on a solo career and his family. In 2015, he released his first solo album called Traveler. Since then, he's released two more albums. He has five Grammys, ten country music awards. Side note, he was also an extra on the Game of Thrones on one episode. Wait, what? Name that birthday suit wearer. Oh, crap. I forgot who it was. Oh, come on, Dave. You know who it is. He's a big, burly man, long hair, big beard, has a cowboy hat, sings all gravelly in his voice, starts with a C. His last name starts with an S. Come on. Come on. Chris Chris Stapleton. There it is. Okay. Little Ooh. bit of pulling teeth, but it's you got there. You got there. I, I got it. Okay. Oof, nice. Man. Chris Stapleton. Oof. Already 42, already won five Grammys, 10 Country Music Awards. Not bad. Man. Wow. That's good. That's dude. pretty, wow. pretty Happy stellar. Happy birthday. Happy yeah. birthday, Chris. He's a pretty big deal, man. Making songs with Bruno Mars, Justin Timberlake. I mean, come on now. Come on. That's true. Those people wouldn't think of coming on our show. Nope. Just saying. Not at all. Happy birthday to Chris Stapleton. Dave, are you ready to rip some headlines? I'm ready. I'm ready to rumble. Let's rip it. Mm. It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. Mm. Rumbling. Dave, this uh, first story is from the USA Today. I called it the USA Today. I don't know why. From <laughs> USA Today. This is big news. Have you ever been to Doubletree Hotel? Hmm. I don't think so. No? Doubletree. Actually, I may have. Well, do you I know? Think so. Do you know what you get when you go to a Doubletree? Hmm. No. You get a cookie, Dave. Oh, yeah. They always give oh. you a hot cookie. They're hot. Oh, then I, I haven't been there then. Yeah. They keep them in a warming oven at their at their uh, entrance in their lobby, and the, oh, when I'm, you when I'm you start going a double tree, yeah, yeah, it's a delicious warm chocolate chip cookie. Sweet, it's pretty fantastic. Now it has walnuts in there, which I'm not a huge fan of, but you know, oh, overall goodness. it's still good. It's still good. Um, now most of the time. Uh, I didn't even want a cookie when I'd go into Doubletree, you know? I wasn't even thinking right. cookie, right? I just walk up, and mm-hmm. then I sign up for my room and a pay and everything. They're like, here's your cookie. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I guess I'll take this. 
That sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> right? And I never turn it down, and it's delicious. Yes! Well, they've never had their recipe out there. You couldn't make these for yourself, Dave. Well, oh. it only took a pandemic, but those folks over at Doubletree were like, you know what? We'll make this pandemic better. We'll make this pandemic right. better by releasing our recipe. Say what? That's right. Oh. Yeah, so Sean McAteer. Now, huh? Oh, yeah. The senior vice president, he said in a news release last Thursday, we know this is an anxious time for everyone. A warm chocolate chip cookie can't solve everything, but it can bring a moment of comfort and happiness. We hope families enjoy the fun of baking together during their time at home, and we look forward to welcoming all our guests with a warm double tree cookie when travel resumes. There it is, Dave. There it is. Yes! That's the type of service I like to hear. And not only did they release the recipe, but they've released a step-by-step -step video on how to make them. Jeez. Yeah. Now, I looked I'm at sure the recipe, we'll be doing Dave. That after this show. That's right. I looked at this recipe, Dave. It's a chocolate chip cookie. Do you think there's cinnamon in that mother-loving cookie? I think so, now that you asked me. Yeah! <laughs> cinnamon in that mother-lover. That's correct, Dave. Dave, do you think there's a squeeze of lemon juice in that cookie? Hmm. You know, now that you're asking, I think there is. Yes, Dave! The secrets of <laughs> making a mean chocolate chip cookie. Who would have thought, man? I would have never thought of a pinch of cinnamon and a squeeze of lemon. Nope. Ridiculous. Not I. Ridiculous. Not I. The next story is from the BBC. Dave, do you garden? Do you do any gardening? No, man, but when I get a house, I will. That's a fact. Nice. You know, I've never really... I've never really had a garden. I mean, I'm a big fan mm -hmm. of plants. I've had all sorts of plants, you know. I've just never really right. had any plants that you can eat. I did one time have a, uh, I had a lemon tree. So true. Back one of the first years I was living in South Carolina, I bought a lemon tree, and I had it on my balcony. Mm. And it actually started producing lemons, you know. Then one night it got see, too... my dad has a lemon tree, too. Yeah? Awesome. Well, see, then one night it got too cold, got below freezing, killed my lemon tree. I didn't bring it in. Forgot. No. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. It was a sad, sad end to my gardening, Dave. That was my only experience in gardening. I guess that's more like, I don't know, being an arborist. I don't know. <laughs> it's not really gardening. Uh, anyways. Right. So, uh, this story is about gardening. And um, that's what I'm trying to say there, Dave. Word. And this guy in the story, uh, John Brayshaw of West Yorkshire in England, he was uh, getting his dig on in his garden when he hit something. Mm -hmm. You know? And he, and he kept digging. What did he hit? And it turned out it was an entire car from the 1950s. What? Dang. Yeah. A whole car. He uncovered a whole car below his garden. He said the car still had its engine, its doors, its license plate, and its registration. What? It was only missing its wheels. Now, at the end of the article, it says uh, Mr. Brayshaw is appealing to anyone with information about how it came to be buried uh, to get in touch with him. Hmm. So, uh, <laughs> like... You're telling you're telling me this guy has no problem spending hours digging up a car, but he can't like right. make a couple of phone calls with the license plate and registration to be like, oh, that's where it came from. 
Like, it doesn't <laughs> seem like it would be too hard to find it, yet he spent hours right. and hours digging at this thing. Like, I got to say, I imagine myself doing this gardening, and, like, if I yeah. hit that in the ground, I'd just be like, oh, something giant metal down there. So true. Well, I guess I can't plant potatoes here. Just move over a little bit. Like, this guy became an archaeologist and excavated his whole backyard. There's no way I'd put that much effort into it. No way. No way. I'd just be like, you know what? Seems like something's down there. I guess somebody will find out sometime. Not me. That's a fact. And then I'd move on. That'd be pretty much it. I guess that's why I never became an archaeologist, Dave. Wasn't interested in unearthing those things. Not really. Yeah. Me either. No. No. Too much work. Uh, Dave, this next story, Fox Channel 8 in Mississippi. Hmm. Dave, this uh, past weekend, religious holiday, right? Religious holiday. We had one indeed, didn't we? We had Easter. Jesus Christ uh, uh, resurrected. That's what we uh, celebrate there. Celebrated, yeah. And then we added uh, rabbit and colored eggs for unexplained reasons. That's right. We talked about the rabbit, but we didn't really breach the egg topic. Nope. Um, Well, you know what really happens on uh, Easter a lot of times? Folks go to church day. That's a fact. That's what happens. Yeah. You know? More likely than not. Especially Southern Baptists. They get on... That is true. They get in on that church. Well, obviously because of the coronavirus, I was putting a real... Real dampener on the uh, church going, you know. Obviously, uh, most churches have more than ten people, and they're not considered a uh, essential in-person service, so not allowed to go to church. Well, a lot of churches have gotten around that barrier, Dave, by doing some online and video services, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, the Temple Baptist Church in Greenville, Mississippi, they decided they were going to put out a service like that, but uh, apparently. They decided to not opt for the online. They decided to opt for a radio frequency. Hmm. So hmm. they put it on audio. They they joined our our, our wavelengths, Dave. Sweet. Uh, but there, cool. there was a problem with the radio service. The uh, mm-hmm. signal that they were powering only <laughs> reached literally one block. Wait, what? Oh man, they they didn't pay for that. No, the premium station. They, they didn't get a powerful signal, Dave. Not a powerful signal. So everyone that went to Temple Baptist Church still actually had to come into the parking lot and park to hear the sermon, right? Oh wow! So while this well, was social, still social distancing in the car, I think not for the police. So while the police oh. drove up, they saw all these uh, churchgoers congregating in yeah. the area of the parking lot, and they handed out uh-huh. tickets. They handed out Dang. tickets. $500 worth each ticket. $500. Oh, wow. Now, uh, churchgoer Lee Gordo, he said uh, not everything was worth fighting for, but this is worth fighting for, mm. and so we're going to stand mm. on it. That's what he said. Word. Now... I've got a couple things about this, Dave. First, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. If the people didn't leave their cars and they like parked a space away from each other and kept their windows up, I mean, come on. It could have been. Where yeah. where where's the spread of the virus there? I don't see it. Nope. I don't see where you'd be getting it. So, you know. I mean, I get it that they, they left their home, but they're not spreading anything. I don't, you know, a little weird. Mm-hmm. Second, 
Um, the most advanced technology this church could think of was a radio frequency with apparently like two watts of power. <laughs> like, hey, I'm pretty sure the preacher could have just gone on the porch of the church and yelled louder than that. Could have just been right. out there like, today's sermon! <laughs> and you can hear it across the town. Thanks. Sounds good. Like So true. A little bit much. Um, then... The last thing, like, I gotta tell, I gotta tell Lee, I, d- I don't think this is the one to stand on. Nope. You know, worth fighting for. Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. it, it'd be one thing if the police busted down your door at your house and said you had to stop praying. You know, that's not what was going on right. here. He just said you couldn't be at church. That doesn't stop your religion. Nope. I mean, as far as I've understood. Uh, you, you can talk to God anywhere. That was one of the whole big deals with Protestant religion. That guy's that guy's radio signal is way more powerful than one block. It's like at least the whole state of Mississippi. So you can get him anywhere. You can call him up and be <laughs> like, hey, bro, what about that Easter, huh? Hmm. Thanks for that. Amen. You can do that if you want. You don't need to go to church. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, Lee, it's a thought. Then you don't have to get a $500 ticket. Just think about it. Just think about it. Plus, I don't think God's going to discount you if you're at your house doing it. It's just my opinion. But I think that dude's pretty understanding. He'd be like, oh, yeah, there was that deadly virus, so good good job on not leaving your house. That's a fact. That's what I'd think he'd say. Just me. Again. Just just, just spitballing here, Dave. Dave, uh, this next story is from the Press Enterprise newspaper in Southern California. I think we're both aware that one of the essential businesses that is open during this pandemic is banks. Am I right? So true. Thanks. True. Banks are still open. Yeah. Yeah. And as banks are still open, they're still targets for bank robberies. Am I right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, there was a 19-year-old dude in Riverside, California, uh, that got an idea that, you know what, the Bank of America during the COVID outbreak, that'd probably be a good easy target. That's right. So... Sonny Gutierrez uh, walked into the bank, walked up to the teller, slipped them a note that demanded money, and said he had the gun. He had a gun. Now, while he did this, the tellers, they didn't really see a gun, but because, you know, it's it's a robbery, they're like, all right, well, we'll we'll go ahead and put money in here just in case. And as they're loading up money, they see uh, Sonny casually stroll out into the lobby and... (laughs) Pull out a beer and pop the top Wait, on it what? and casually drink his beer walking back and forth in the lobby. At which point, nice. one of the tellers were like, uh, we should probably call the 911, right? And they were like, yeah, he's, he's drinking a beer in the lobby. He seems pretty tied up. So they <laughs> did, and the cops came and arrested this young man because he had time because he was just hanging out waiting for him to finish putting the money in um i gotta ask what made this dude pack a beer for his robbery escapade like right what did he was like you know what i need a beer for this probably gonna take a while i want to feel relaxed put one in my pocket for later like and then roadie <laughs> two he's 19 <laughs> come on bro you're already risking it with the robbery. You don't need an underage possession as well. Nope. Jeez. Jeez. Just wait until afterwards and then break the law again. Come on, Sonny. Rookie. Think. Think. 
Dave, this next story is from WFT uh, Channel... Uh, sorry, WFTV Channel 9 right here in Florida. Dave, have you ever been to Osceola County? What's in that county? Uh, it's, uh, Osceola it's, is it's, Orlando? It's, yeah, no. right south of Orlando, right below... Uh, uh, I guess downtown. Yeah, Orlando. I've been there. It's like Davenport and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, th- I know I've driven through there on the turnpike. I think that's about it. Though. Word. Um, mm-hmm. but anyway, this, uh, this isn't about the turnpike, Dave. This is about a homeowners association in Osceola oh. County. And you know what, Dave? I'm not a fan of homeowners associations. Oh. We've been over that before. Uh, mm-hmm. y- you know who else isn't a, a fan of homeowners associations? Carol Baskins. You were close. Carol Yerndon. Carol oh, Yerndon. Damn, I was close. Yeah. Damn. Carol, she's 78. She lives in Osceola County, right? And uh, she mm-hmm. lives in the Poinciana Villages. And like Sounds a lot fancy. of... Yeah, well, and you know, a lot of these places, they have regulations, right? But she's mm-hmm. also stay-at-home orders, you know, just like most of the right. town. Well, the whole state. Uh, and state, since Carol yeah. is 78 and has a heart condition, she's been taking that serious, right? I'd be taking Good. that serious. If I was her, I'd be in a bunker. I wouldn't be leaving the bunker. Be like, I'm 78 and got a heart condition, you a-holes. Get out of my way. <laughs> I'm not risking anything here. Um, right. So, as she's been doing that, she uh, she sort of let her driveway get a little dirty, right? Her driveway oh. got a little dirty. And the HOA left a note on her door that gave her an ultimatum to have her dirty driveway pressure wash or she would face further HOA actions. Hmm. Right? Now, obviously, she would like to do this herself because she wouldn't want to pay somebody to do it. But she can't do it herself because she doesn't want to leave her house. Nope. She's really conflicted. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the news channel contacted the president of the board directors of the Association of Poinciana Villages, he said, We are in the midst of an increasingly challenging time during this worldwide pandemic. The board of directors is abiding by our association bylaws and deed of restrictions, which dictate that our operations and notifications continue in order to maintain safety and cleanliness of our community. Hmm. Now, Dave, I got to say, I don't see how the driveway is really going to affect safety and cleanliness of the community. Nope. I mean, it's her driveway. It's not like it's the community's driveway. Second of all, like, I don't see that affecting safety in the slightest. It's not like an EMT driver is going to come through the old Poinciana villages and be like, Oh, Jesus, got a U-turn. That driveway was so dirty. I can't go in this place anymore. <laughs> like, yeah, abort, abort. Come on. Get it together, Poinciana villages. Stop yeah. annoying Carol. She doesn't want any of your nonsense. Uh, Dave, remember when I brought up it could be worse? Yes. And we talked about how Indonesia is dealing with an active volcano on top of the pandemic. Jeez. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, uh, we got what another. Got now? We got another instance <laughs> of it could be worse, Dave. Uh, this could be worse in Uganda. Worse. Uganda, Dave. Uh, you know what's going on in Uganda? Hmm. Uh, I didn't hear about Uganda. Nothing <laughs> I can think of. You, you may in a little bit. Uh, there's a plague of locusts 
going on in Uganda. Hmm. There's, there's. I feel like we've talked about locusts before on the show. I feel like whenever locusts pop up in the news, you have to talk about. There's it. literally <laughs> a biblical plague going on in Uganda. Ew. So oh they gosh. have the largest outbreak of locusts ever. Ever. Goodness gracious. Over the past couple of weeks, billions and billions of desert locusts. And these aren't small grasshoppers, dude. I looked at these pictures. These guys are big. They're big. These guys are big. Ew. And they have been flying from Somalia, the breeding grounds, to Uganda in search of fresh vegetation. And uh, when I tell you it looks pretty gross... It looks pretty gross, Dave. That's a fact. Uh, now, on top of being gross, it's obviously horrible, too, because these little turds eat all your crops, which means right. that thousands of people could starve as a result. So, obviously, not good, right? Not good at all. Mm-hmm. But they keep showing these pictures, and it's just like people walking through these fields, and the air is just literally covered with millions of bugs, and you're just like, yeah, yeah. Mm. I feel mm. like if that was going on here, again, people would be much more likely to follow the stay at home if they looked outside and were like, you know what? Pass. I'll stay in here. That's that, not. They may make their way over. That's don't, not don't for me. Um, I also got to feel like I can't help but notice how they said that the breeding grounds were in Somalia. Hmm. Like, I feel like if I was at Uganda, I'd be like, hey, Somalia. You couldn't have like sprayed or something. At least given us a head. For us. At least given us a heads up. Like, hey, by the way, there's 70 billion grasshoppers headed your way. So, wait, what? You know, if you could get a couple hundred million hungry lizards, I think that'd be good. That's a fact. Just let those guys out. See what they can do. Like, come on. If, if they're they're bigger than lizards. No, no, no. They don't. Well, I mean, you know, you get you get like sizable lizard, right? Get a couple million iguanas. Iguanas yeah. could handle yeah, it. Yeah, iguana. Okay, good. Okay, not like backyard. Yeah, lizards. not in an anole. Anole would be pretty rough. You'd have to get some of the bigger species of anole. Maybe Cuban some skinks. Cuban anole. You know. Uh, yeah, you yeah. Go. Depending on the skink size, brown skink. We really derailed yes. into lizards here, but anyways. <laughs> Uh, I think they're impressed by our, our lizard knowledge. Oh, so. man. They don't even know, Dave. Back in the day when I was a youngin, oh, I was so you, in. You I, were obsessed. I was so into <laughs> lizards, man. Me and my brother uh, would go. Why is that not surprising? Right? We're weirdos. <laughs> I would go to the pet store, and I'd just gawk at the lizards and be like, oh, my God, did you see that bearded dragon? Say what? If I had $25, I would so <laughs> buy that bearded dragon right now. Woo! You don't even know. Man, that's funny. You know, and what's ridiculous is obviously I lived in Virginia, Dave, uh, mm-hmm. and I used to buy anoles all the time. You know, and mm-hmm. you go you go down here and they're freaking everywhere. That's a fact. They're just they just scatter all over the street. Yeah, you exactly. Just, I could have picked up a hundred here. And in my and, brother and I used to be lizard chasers and collectors. In undergrad, they actually had us do that in ecology. We picked up lizards with a bamboo stick and dental floss, Dave. That's a fact. They can't see Impressive. the dental floss. Nope. So you make the dental floss into a little noose and you just put it mm-hmm. around their neck and they get caught and they're oh, like, whoa. And they're just hanging there God. in the air like, what <laughs> happened? Why am I holding up oh, like this? <laughs> crazy it's crazy dave anyways i got derailed again i'm sorry lizard knowledge 
Lizard facts. Um, he said I derailed. Let me talk more about lizard. Still derailing. <laughs> I just, my bad. And I just kept going into it. I'm sorry. And then I kept going I can't more. can't stop. It's just lizards. Girl, come on. Anyways, so our last story, Dave, uh, is from Channel 33. And I think it's my favorite because this is the story. Okay. I read it like six times. And I couldn't stop laughing every single time I read it. So, okay. Uh, in Michigan, Dave, uh, apparently COVID has made some folks uh, do some weird things, mm-hmm. uh, specifically in Battle Creek. Um, so, you remember when Jameis Winston got in trouble for stealing crab legs? Yep. Well, this lady in the next story makes his heist look like small potatoes. So, oh. yeah. Yeah, so police got a call from a store employee uh, from Horrocks Fa- uh, Farm Market. Horrocks Farm Market. Uh, that told them that a woman stole $700 worth of crab legs. Uh, Holy crap. Yeah. The employee said that uh, video footage showed the lady putting the crab legs in bags and then sitting one of her kids on top of the bags and then just walking out. Um, with there the car. Yeah. So the police then used the surveillance video, obviously, to track her down, find the lady that sold the crab legs. And when they mm-hmm. found the lady's house, they went to the home and man answered the door and they were like, hey, uh, is such and such here? And uh, the guy was like, no, no, she's not here. Hmm. And while the police were asking some further questions to this man, an unidentified woman walked into the house and was like, hey, I'm here to buy some crab legs. What? <laughs> and, oh, damn. <laughs> and of course, they they found the woman later and she was charged with theft. But I just, my God, Dave, the times I read this story and just laughed thinking of this guy being like, yeah, never heard of a lady stealing oh, crab, crab legs before. <laughs> and then this random lady walking into the house in the middle, the police. in front of the cops and just being like, yeah, so I heard I could get a deal on some crab legs. Is that Dumb through you cops or is that through the guy or I'm just looking for the best situation here who's got the best price (laughs) so oh man so good so good i lied dave we got one more story i'm sorry i'm sorry this one this one's pretty solid too another michigan story dave so uh this story comes from nbc channel six upper michigan source Mm -hmm. for news yeah okay yeah early saturday morning this past weekend dave in uh south ranch or south range michigan a man was awoken mm-hmm. by what seemed to be a home invasion. Thought somebody was oh. breaking into his home, yeah. So he went towards his door and found a man and a woman walking through his house. <laughs> he approached the two, you know, was going to confront them, and the man that yeah. broke, in, broke into his house had pulled out a knife. <laughs> oh. Yeah, but this didn't deter the homeowner because he apparently pulled out a chainsaw. Word. Yeah, wow. at, at which at which time the man and the woman sprinted out of the house. Um, the two suspects were caught later, and they're currently be char- uh, currently being charged with the home invasion. Now, uh, I started thinking about this story, Dave, and I gotta ask, how fast can you get to a chainsaw in your house? Hmm. You know, 
Like, does right. he does he have multiple chainsaws in his house for defense? They're just like at different places in his house, and he's like, "Aha!" Because like the story made it sound like this guy pulled out the chainsaw like out of his pocket and was like, "You call that a knife? What? This is a knife." And they're like, "No, that's a chainsaw." Yeah. That's a fact. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna cut you up with it, nonetheless. Like ridiculous then i started thinking about it did he turn the chainsaw on hmm. because like you know a chainsaw is exponentially less scary turned off so true like sure it not being on it. yeah like it, it being like, not grab, grabbed out of the closet or something yeah like i feel like yeah if you he if he pulled the chain once and got a like that would get me going but like if he just yeah. sort of threw like a non a turned off chainsaw at me, I'd be like, eh. Girl, come on. My knife's still better than that. I'm not too worried. Nope. Those bits on that chainsaw don't look that sharp. Like, you know, like, they gotta be moving pretty fast before I get scared. Anyways, I'm just saying. That was the last story, Dave. <laughs> Watch out for people with chainsaws in Michigan. We're yeah, gonna watch take out for the crazies. We're gonna take a break. We are gonna hear from our guest of honor, Mr. John Craigie. Yeah. This is his newest single, Valacito. Right here on the Doc G Show. Don't you know? There was snow in the hills all around us. Don't you think it won't be till spring till they find us? I sold my soul to the devil for real. But I got myself a bad deal And I feel there is one path left to reclaim it See I went back to the crossroads But I stood alone Nothing to give up, he won't come. This golden voice I traded for left the audiences tired and bored. All the talent.
stuff to keep just one of us alive Normally, without any remorse, I would kill for my life But I feel that my time has come And my master can no longer run I will meet that thief out there in the blinding snow Here on the Doc G Show, Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP, 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. Dave? Hmm. Guys, while you're in quarantine, I know you have nothing better to do. So stop what you're doing, which is nothing already. Mm -hmm. Go on your app downloading Mm -hmm. podcast Mm -hmm. app. Mm -hmm. App downloading podcast app. That made sense. Anyways. You got there. I figured it out. Uh, Download the Doc G Show. And then give us a five star rating. Yes. And comment something. Yes. You love the sound of our voice. Nah. We talk about so much <laughs> cool stuff. Nope. We never derail. Nope. And then check out the website, www.thedoctyshow.com. There it is. Nicely done, Dave. I was thinking about that actually uh, after last show, how I really wish I had T.I.'s voice. That's a fact. I was just like, man. Yeah. I know. Voice is so smooth. Did you listen to any TI after? I did. Yes! I did. Yes! But I really just Me wanted too. I just really wanted to listen to his interviews, you know? Cuz he's just so awesome oh, at his true. videos. I I mean, his interviews, you're just like, ah, what a gangster. I want to be that. But it, like not in the sense of so being smooth. a gangster, just in his voice. Gangster voice. Yeah. Just so smooth, right. man. Anyways, I derailed One again. Day, maybe. Yeah. Girl, come on. Yeah, I'll work on it. Let me try to I'll soothe the voice. Nope. Soothe the voice. Nope. Anyways, uh, Dave, we we need to thank the folks that do put up with our voice every week. Uh, it's time That's for. That's true. We do. It's time for a Those little shout out action here. 
Uh, so we start with the regulars. Of course, Jacksonville coming in with the lead spot. Thank you all, Duval. Shout out to you guys. Shout out to you guys. Uh, Columbia, South Carolina, also getting lots of uh, listens. Pretty Shout excited out. because coming up, Dave, we got Susto, who's pretty big. Susto is big in uh, South Carolina. That's where they're from. So true. Uh, they, they're nice. really out of Charleston. But they got a big following in Columbia as well. A big following in Greenville as well across the whole state. So shout out to those guys. Radford, Virginia. Shout out to them. Keeping it real in Virginia. Shout out, uh, shout out to Gainesville, Florida, of course. Shout out to those guys. Also, Ashburn, Virginia. Shout out. Virginia is for Doc G. Lovers, Dave. Yes, indeed. Um, Dublin, Ireland. Love them. They always make me so excited when I see them on the list. Shout out. Every week. You be doubling. Every week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good. That was nice, Dave. You didn't miss a beat on that one. Nicely done. I got it. Um, Barcelona, Spain. Also, regulars. Thank you, Barcelona, Spain. Shout out. Um, London, England. Thank you, London, England. Crossing the channel there. Maputo, Mozambique, of course. Can't forget about you guys. Thank you. Shout out. Uh, uh, Kenner, Louisiana. Shout out to those guys right there in the heart of New Orleans. Thank you. Shout out, Shout out to uh, Mountain View, California, our West Coast connection there. Shout out. Of course, shout out to the last but not least, Genoa, Italy. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Shout out. Favorite. Now, uh, Dave, I'm hoping an another international uh, listener uh, will become a, a, a regular. They've listened now for a couple of weeks here in a row, uh, and I'm uh -oh. hoping they get to the spot. And that would be our first Keep on going. the list on semi-regulars. Courtenay, Canada. Shout yeah. Out. Yeah. Oil. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Canada getting into the business. That's like right. It. And we go back to our state, Miami, Florida. Shout out to the 305. Listen again. Thank you. Uh, Austin, Texas. Thank you. I uh, nice. think that might be some of my friends there in Austin. Thank you for listening, friends in Austin. I'm looking at you, Jane. Yeah, Jane's Jane's the main rallier over there. Jane's got a good voice. Get it, Jane. Jane's got a good voice. She could she could probably do a better job with this than I could, so as true. far as at least the voice goes. <laughs> I'll do both of us. Don't don't tell her that. Nope. Um, if she's listening, don't listen to us right now, Jane. Don't steal our jobs. Nope. Um, Rockville, Maryland. Shout out to Rockville. Uh, you guys rock. Yes, they do. Nicely done, Dave. Uh, shout out to Roanoke, Virginia, Star City. Thank you. Shout out to Arcata, California. Once again, they're pretty. They're pretty regular. They might get on that regular there. list. Yeah, and and also Bristol, Virginia. They're regular. Might have to. Shout there's a lot oh, that might get up state. there. Yeah. Well, you know, they're for Doc G lovers. They're, that's, they are that's indeed. It. And lastly, on the semi-regular, San Jose, California. Okay, Dave. Newcomers. Here we go. The newbies. Got two internationals. Pretty excited about. First, Lil France. Lil France. Lil France. Shout out. Sounds like a rapper. Well, it's L. It's L I L L E. I looked up several. Several uh, pronunciations and descriptions to make sure I was saying mm -hmm. it correctly. 
and that's the way they mm-hmm. said it. So if the folks in Little France are not agreeing with the way that I'm saying it, take it up with all the different YouTube videos of how you pronounce Little France. <laughs> that's right. Okay? Uh, but it's right near the northern border of France with Belgium, Dave. Yeah. Oh, I would think it'd be south because it's a little. What? No, north. It's interesting that it's north. Right up there on the right up there on the on the border, actually, right there on the border. They've had some trouble with World Wars, Dave. They got in trouble both oh. in World War One and Two. They got dominated. It was not good in Little France. Not a good place to be. Yeah, no. But the stock exchange, the old stock exchange building, survived. It was built in 1652. Looks pretty cool, Dave. Need to go there. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Need to go there. Uh, well, monument. Now, the downside of Lille, uh, France is apparently it has the worst pollution of any, of any city in France. Wait, what? Oh, boy. Yeah, but, but. So it's a little stanky. But I bet that's improved with the coronavirus because pretty much everywhere the air pollution has improved because of the coronavirus. One upside right there. So true. Very, very good true. upside. Uh, okay. True. Thanks for listening, Lil' France. Uh, next, Thanks. we've got Zrinjanin. Zrinjanin, Serbia. Shout out. Yeah. Wow, that was smooth. Thanks. Yes. I practiced that one, too. You're welcome. Zrinjanin. Zrinjanin. Yeah, Zrinjanin. It's Z-R-E-N-J-A-N-I-N. Zrinjanin. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I, uh, apparently, when I go to Zrinjanin, I need to hit up Karska Bara. Hmm. Karskabara is like a uh, okay. it's 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 like a, a wildlife refuge. Sweet. Yeah. Oh, now we're talking. Yeah, they got kayaking. Wait, what they got there? They got canoeing. Mm-hmm. They got 500 mm-hmm. plant species. Nice. Yeah. I don't. I mean lizards. I, well, I was about to say I don't know, Dave. I don't know if they got any <laughs> lizards or not. I have to follow up. I'm gonna look into Serbia's lizards. Word. I don't. There we go. I don't know. I think it might be too cold in Serbia <laughs> to have any lizards. Seems like Reptiles, it gets a little yeah, frosty maybe. there. Uh, anyways, right. shout out to everybody. Thanks for listening, everybody. We appreciate it. Um, yeah, guys. Thank you. Uh, Dave, it's time for our second birthday suit. Uh, this is Let's in the entertainment industry. Um, okay. But he's very popular, so I think you'll get this. Word. And it's current popularity. Hopefully. Well, 2000s popularity. You'll know it. I do like my 2000s. Um, born in Vancouver, Canada. Our birthday suit wearer realized that, you know, uh, side note on that, last night I was going through Spotify and I got caught Mm -hmm. up, sometimes I do this, like I'm just like, who has the most listens? Who has the most monthly listeners? You know? And every now and then, mm-hmm. I'll do that with our, our former guests. I'm like, who out of our former guests has the most listens? You know? Yeah. And I check it out. Mm-hmm. But I got I, this time, it was just overall. Justin Bieber mm-hmm. had the most I could find. He has 60 million monthly listeners. Jeez. 60, 60 million, million monthly. monthly listeners. Yeah. Girl, come on. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. The next closest I think out I could find. Out of all... Out of all the people in the whole world, the the next closest the I think person. I could find was, was uh, Drake. Drake was fifty five million. Uh, that makes sense. Like even even T Swift, Taylor Swift was only thirty four million. She's like wow. half of the Biebs, half. Girl, come on. Anyways, I, yes. oh, I got sidetracked. Gosh. I got sidetracked. Oh, That's okay. I just noticed I didn't have I didn't have the date for him. Oh my gosh, I didn't have his year. 
I gotta find that real quick. Don't worry, Dave. I'll get it. Uh, 82. Okay. April 15, 1982, in Vancouver, Canada, her birthday suit wearer mm-hmm. realized very soon in life that he could be funny for a career. So he wanted to be a comedian. Mm. At the age of okay. 13, he wrote a rough draft of the movie Superbad. And he spent the rest of high school polishing the script. When he was 16, he landed the role on Judd Apatow's show, Freaks and Geeks. Mm. He started getting small roles after that in movies like 40-Year-Old Virgin and You, Me, and Dupree. His breakout role came in 2007 when he starred in the film Knocked Up. Later that year, he released Superbad. Oh, uh, Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen is correct. Yes, indeed. Since then, he has went on to be in The Guilt Trip, This Is The End, Neighbors, The Interview, Sausage Party, Long Shot, and The Disaster Artist. Mr. Seth Rogen, indeed. Turning... Freaking love him. Turning the big 3-8. Only two more years in the 30s for Seth Rogen. He seems older. Yeah, I think it's I think it's the I guess beard. He's been around a while. I think it's the beard and getting the gray hair in his hair. Being overweight and a pothead. Well, you know he's he's lost some weight. He's he's fluctuated. I say he would he hasn't fluctuated as much as uh, what's his name hmm. also in uh, in Superbad. Oh, um, Can't think of his freaking, name. Jonah Hill. Yeah. yeah. Jonah Hill. Good call. Yeah, he he he's fluctuated a bit more. Um, but you know, there you go. That's true. There you go, Seth Rogen. Turning big three A. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Seth. Enjoy it, man. He's Canadian. Yeah, he is. He is. I watched an episode of um oh man, what's the guy? It's like David it's not it's an Asian last name, but he's the chef. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. He, that was uh And he did a That was uh, um uh uh Andy's uh, uh, celebrity chef that he wanted to have cook for him. That's a fact. Yeah. Yeah, dude, he's so cool. So they have an episode where they like smoke pot, and then they go around Canada and like look at these like cool eating places, hmm. and um, pretty awesome. Seth Rogen, there you go. Happy birthday, Seth. Okay, Dave, we are gonna take one more break. We're gonna hear from John Craigie with his fantastic song. This is my favorite. Uh, just just a side note. I am California. And then we will be right back with none other than John Craigie himself. Don't go anywhere. You try to drown your sorrows Shouldn't have taught them how to swim now you are right back where you began Winter skies approaching All alone in the wasteland Alone is the only way they let you in So drink all my wine Cut all my trees Make love on my beaches Smoke all my weed 
I am California. Can you see? Wherever you roam, you'll always want me. We struggle with our love. We don't know what to let in. Cause the new ones pay for the old ones. Blinded by your shadow, faded on your love. You don't know how deep you are. Till you get pulled back up. So drink all my wine, cut all my trees, make love on my beaches, smoke all my weed. I am California. Can you see? Wherever you roam, you'll always want.
Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today we are joined by a terrific singer-songwriter who has been touring around the country for the better part of the 21st century, Mr. John Craigie. John, how's it going? Good, man. Thanks for talking. Yeah, man. Now, uh, I the listeners, I think, are aware of this. I first heard of you not really long ago, actually. I just heard of you in February. Uh, our good friend on the show, Andy Frasco, I asked him a question. Yeah. Uh, during the show, uh, he was my co-host in February there for a show, and I asked him if he got stuck in an elevator, what song would he want to listen to on repeat? And he said, "Presidential Silver Lining." Hmm. Oh, that's so sweet. And, and I was, and I was like, "Who, who sings that?" He's like, "John Craigie." And I was like, "Oh," I, he's like, "He's the most underrated uh, songwriter of our generation, in my opinion." And I said, "Whoa, oh. I need to get him on the show." And he said, "Yeah, you yeah. do." So <laughs> I, I, I tried to set things in motion, man. That's 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 how it came to be. But uh, highly awesome. recommended by Andy. Just so you know. Highly recommend. No, and he's a good guy. I, I met him uh, briefly uh, backstage at one of my shows, and I'm I'm excited to do his podcast too. We talked about that. Yes, yes. He uh, he <clears throat> he has a very good podcast with the World Saving Podcast for sure. Um, entertaining guy, entertaining guy. He's got a lot of energy for sure. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But let's let's talk about your career. Uh, really, how you got to your career? So you grew up in uh, you grew up in Los Angeles, and uh, I want to know yeah, yeah. because you know your your music is obviously way different than what was going on in Los Angeles when you were growing up. Uh, what made you want to become the musician you became? So what what interest you? What music sparked your interest at first? Well, that's a really good question. You know, growing up, even though it was L.A., you know, I was, uh, my parents were pretty square. So there wasn't a lot of music as a child. But yeah. then my sister was a bit older and she she was pretty hip to it. Nice. And so she... Um, it's always that older you know, so sibling. Early, it's always yeah, that yeah. si- <laughs> Um So I can remember actually early memories of like a lot of eight she was running the 80s music um mm-hmm. so so even though i was growing up in the 90s i wasn't as aware of the, those fruits that's in the beginning you know yeah um so i was i was listening to like a lot of pure and depeche mode and um like oingo boingo violent femmes yeah. um that realm and then the, but then, you know, Nirvana and Pearl Jam started to permeate yeah. you know, sort of my generation, So, which I got really into, obviously. Yeah. And so that was, I remember early inspiration as far as like uh, wanting to sort of create music yeah. through um, through bands like Pearl Jam and Green Day and uh, um, Nirvana mm. and uh, that kind of stuff. U2 also, was, those were all really big at the time and they were all uh, you know, because I, at the time I liked, I really liked the songs a lot and sing them a lot, like with my friends. So, oh yeah, I got a guitar. I got a guitar around age fifteen, and then started learning those kind of songs. Nice, nice. It's pretty much yeah, the yeah. same things I tried to learn, but I didn't have enough patience and tried to learn. Yeah, totally. <laughs> tried to learn Teen Spirit, and I was like, "This is tough." Girl, come on. You should just be able to play yeah, this right uh, off yeah. the bat. Come on, man. Um, 
Now, you went to UC Santa Cruz for a degree in mathematics, and it's one of my favorite things that you talk about in your live uh, in your live shows and on your live CDs. You've talked about it. Uh, were they as liberal as you make it sound in the stories? Uh, <laughs> probably, probably you, more so. You know, really. Um, yeah, I mean, it was for me too. It was a total one eighty from you know, even though. L.A. is much hipper than maybe somewhere in the Midwest. Yeah. You know, where my community, I was going to Catholic school and I was in a sort of more sports-oriented um, community. So, uh, yeah, Santa Cruz was a whole uh, a whole different vibe. <laughs> and, uh, I, and I loved it, you know. Yeah. And how did you, did you really just, how, how did you come on mathematics? Since you seemed like you'd already had a little bit of a spark as far as music and whatnot. How did you say, you know what? Math. Let's do that. You know, it's, it's a funny story, but, um, uh, I, you know, what it was, was I was never much of a like, student, an academic person ever. You know, yeah. I was always wanting, I was always dreaming lofty before music i wanted to like you know write movies or write novels or whatever yeah so school was always something that i i was i was very like you know without sounding boastful i was very street smart in the sense that i i was always trying to figure out how to coast through school what's the shortcut <laughs> what's yeah. the least amount of work i can do and so what's funny is i got to santa cruz and actually I went there as a computer science major because um, that was very that was very hip at the time in the yeah. 90s, late nineties, and I was like, a, you know, always a kid who was like, we had a computer, and I, you know, um, was like into the into the internet, of course, like yeah. with the guitar tabs and, mm -hmm. and and just learning about. I was really stoked on all the music information that was on the internet when it first came out. Yeah. So I thought, you know, and I was a little nerdier than my friends, so I was like, oh, I'm really good at computers. I should be a computer <laughs> scientist, and I. And I took a computer science class. On the first day, I was like, uh, whoa, yeah. what are y'all talking about? <laughs> because it was like, you know, C++, oh, like yeah. programming language. So immediately, I was like, I'm going to fail this big time. <laughs> and so I knew I had to change my major. And I was like, well, I'll do, you know, I'll do writing or I'll do creative writing or I'll do music. But I was talking to some friends. And that's actually what Santa Cruz, because it was a hippie school, it, it sort of like, uh, specialized in those kind of things, and they were actually really hard mm. programs. And a friend of mine said, "Man, have you taken a math class here?" And I was like, "No." And he was like, "Check it out." And so I did. And because it was such a small and sort of underrated department, it was really easy and really <laughs> laid back. So, so pretty pretty quickly, I was like, "Oh wait, this is where it's at." <laughs> and so, um, so that's that's sort of the, the true story behind. I don't tell that on stage because it's not as like. Um, path of least resistance accident. i like it yeah, yeah. This is, nobody nobody's checking up on me here this is really laid back nice exactly yeah <laughs> yeah i had the same i went uh my brother actually he graduated as a computer engineer and uh i went to one of his classes and uh it was all binary code like the whole thing they were just doing derivatives and integrals of zeros and ones and i was just like this is not for me. Nope. <laughs> this yeah. is this is way over my head. So I know the feeling that you saw in that computer science class for sure. Um, I uh, when when you were there at Santa Cruz, you started playing with Pond Rock, and I heard you guys yeah. <laughs> you guys did a lot of '60s and '70s covers. 
Uh, what was what was your favorite oh, sure. song to cover when you first started playing with a band? Hmm. That's a really funny question. It's funny that you asked about that band. Who told you about Pond Rock? Oh, it's just in the research, man. Just just going back, <laughs> looking over, looking over your your uh, career. Yeah, that's funny. Um, yeah, you know, we were a total college jam band. You know, house party, but broadband. We were, we were lucky at that time. You know, I, was, I wasn't much of a talented jammer by any means, but, <laughs> um, you know, it was um, a time when we could all, we could all kind of skate by yeah. with just sort of some minimal thing. Um, you know, sort of what Pond Rock was famous for uh, was um, we would do this cover. We called it Sweet Hotel California. <laughs> and what it was, I remember that we... You know, that riff, Sweet Home Alabama is such a, you know, crowd. crowd. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But I, you know, we were full hippies. And so we didn't like the lyrics of Sweet Home, Sweet Home Alabama because, you know, uh, they're a little like uh, Southern pride and oh, kind yeah. of diss Neil Young. So I never felt comfortable singing that song <laughs> um, to it. So I remember uh, one time we were hanging out, you know, in the living room stoned or whatever and my friend was he wanted to cover hotel california but i was like no it's way too slow and it's never that would never work for a jam band because there's no beat to it you know? yeah so i started playing to make him laugh i started playing soon on alabama and i started singing on a dark desert highway cool wind in my head and that just became a thing we would do in the chorus. Sweet Hotel California, such a lovely place. And my band, my drummer would go, lovely place. And so um, that that became a sort of a staple of our shows. We we loved that one. Nice. And we love we loved things like um, we did a lot of dead songs as you would imagine. Um, and we did a lot of uh, yeah. We did. We used to do that song. Uh, what's it called? It goes, uh, I like to dream. Boom. Oh, Steppenwolf. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Magic carpet that ride. A, that was always, yeah, that was a crowd pleaser. Oh, yeah. And, um, yeah, we did a lot of, it's hard to remember now, but those were the ones that stick out to me for sure. Nice. I, li- I like the sweet, sweet Hotel California. That's a good mix-up. Yeah, good yeah. mashup right there. Um, yeah, if I ever... If I ever have a Pond Rock reunion, we'll definitely do that song. <laughs> the Pond Rock reunion. It'll be a good one, for sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Well, speaking of covers, you actually did two cover albums um, yeah. back back in 2012. And uh, I took a look at them because I knew one of them automatically was just all uh, Zeppelin, which, I mean, it's awesome. It's Zeppelin. Um and then the other was all '90s, which I got really jazzed about. You were you were just talking yeah. as far as as far as all what you got into, and you had all these good. You had Gin Blossoms. We had Gin Blossoms on the show. Yeah. And man, I, I love the Gin Blossoms. Can't oh, get cool! En- yeah, I can't yeah, get you, enough you of them. Um, but uh, what what made you? I mean, I guess it was that that uh, growing up on it was that why you wanted to cover all those songs? Hmm. Yeah, it was it was kind of two parts that. The summer of, um, I guess it would be 2010. I remember I was just starting to do festivals at that time, mm-hmm. and just starting to um, have these uh, moments, you know, at camp, a lot of campfire moments. Yeah, and you know, I was doing so many of them that it was just, you know, you can only do uh, 
um, you know, country roads or whatever, yeah. wagon wheels, you know, <laughs> enough time. And so I started, I had, I knew all those songs from when I was a kid. Cause that's right when I started playing guitar. Yeah. So I remember one night doing, uh, you know, that song Santa Monica, we could live yeah. beside the ocean. Mm -hmm. And everyone was just really excited because people of my age knew those songs and, but nobody ever played them at campfires. And yeah. I was like, you know, these are just as, so I just started doing it that summer. I was doing Basket Case. I was doing Hey Jealousy. I was doing um, a bunch of things. Some stuff I didn't actually put on. Things like Santeria or whatever. Nice. Sublime. So um, so then it was just became a thing where somebody, I think somebody said, hey, man, you got to you gotta do this. And I just got a garage band and, and a Zoom recording machine. So, uh, you know, that was that. Nice, man. Nice. Well, it seems like uh, everything you do, and, and I've sort of seen you talk about it before in interviews, you love being on the road. Um, oh, yeah. And you love touring. And it almost seems like a disappointment when you have to record a studio album. Like somebody having to do laundry, like ah, geez, guess I need clean clothes. <laughs> All right, is is yeah. it that big of a downer for you? Uh, like, I mean, comparatively between the two, is there that much of a difference between recording an album versus doing live shows? Well, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. I mean, I I work really hard to make it not a downer. So, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> yeah, I think I think technically the thought of it is a bit of a downer, but. I work really hard to make sure that, you know, I gather these people, uh, you know, ideally the past few albums I've done, you know, in a living room, yeah. uh, with friends, uh, almost make, almost making like a party out of it or whatever. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. I mean, the live albums are much more fun to create and much more, um, natural for me. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, yeah. So I know, but I, I know what you're saying. I think, um, <laughs> It, it's definitely it's definitely the more foreign to me for sure yeah yeah well so when you're on yeah. stage when you're doing your touring you 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 obviously are known for throwing some jokes in there and a lot of stories in between yeah. your uh songs and it's earned your reputation yeah. a lot of being compared to mitch hedberg which that was actually like you know after i talked to andy and that was like the first thing that came up. It was like, as soon as I put your name in, it was like Mitch Hedberg. And I was like, you know, I've been a, a fan of Mitch Hedberg for like 20 years. And I was like, oh, man. Oh, yeah. Awesome. And uh, so, like, <laughs> I, I, I looked it up, you know, and it was funny because I saw you talk about it before where you said, you know, my jokes actually aren't like his jokes. And, and yeah, I, start, yeah, totally. I started listening to your stuff, and I was like, yeah, he's right. It's just because he's quiet. That's why... He, he he's got that same delivery as Mitch. Yeah, yeah. Um, when when and you it's funny because I I listened to a um, you know, a couple of years ago I listened to an interview that Mitch had done before he died. Yeah, and it was really he explained it in a really cool way where he was talking about his delivery and he was saying he was saying he said you know what it is is he said like he's like I'm doing what because uh, I think that if you listen to early Arlo Guthrie that's actually where a lot of like you know the delivery comes from but then if you go back even farther it's more of like a beat poet kind of thing yeah mm -hmm. and so mitch is basically just saying like you know it's it's a, it's a shy person trying to sound cool <laughs> and and that's really i think what what he's really touched on is that when you're like orating or whatever you know you can you make the choice either you're going to be like a dane cook you know you're going to like really all take over it the place you're, or you're gonna, yeah yeah 
or you're going to be a little, a little, or the other extreme would be like Stephen Wright, you know? Yeah. Which I think obviously Mitch and Stephen are way more similar. Yeah. Um, as far as like, so it's interesting to, uh, I get that comparison all the time yeah. and I don't shy away from it, but, but yeah, you know, I've always been a Mitch, Mitch fan, of course, but yeah, humor wise, I don't ever really go there. Um, <laughs> Although I, I love it, and so yeah, it's, it's, it is funny. But I used I comedy used, is a huge part of it for, sure. for for twelve years. That's the well, actually, I still do now. If I ever stay at a double tree, I still tell people I can't tell you what <laughs> hotel I'm staying at, but there are two trees involved. Just, <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> but yeah, uh, when you first heard Mitch, like when you first heard that comparison, were you already familiar with him, or did you uh, not know who he was when you first heard it? Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I had been telling stories long before that, but um, I'm, I've always been a big comedic, comedic nerd. Yeah. So when I first heard Mitch, I was just like, yeah, this, this guy gets it, you know, <laughs> as far as like how to talk. But, um, but I think, you know, when people ask about my delivery, that definitely stems more from, uh, from like, in, uh, if you listen to Arlo's first live album, which yeah. is called Arlo. Mm-hmm. You know that that was something that I was really digging into, um, and uh, I'm trying to think. There's a couple other. There's a Tim Buckley live album where he's kind of using a similar delivery. Yeah. Of where it really is just it's like a person who isn't that cool but trying to sound cool. You know. Well, you know, Mitch even added on two of his albums there. He had that. He had the bassist with him. That just had that like that mm-hmm. that jazz bass line behind him, just to have like to add in the rhythm to it as well. Um, but uh, now on the music side, you're often compared to John Prine, uh, which I've, I've oh heard, yeah I've heard uh, you know a lot, and uh, it, it's definitely there. Uh, what does that mean to you? Because I, I I think you're a pretty huge fan of his. What does that mean to you when you started hearing that? Well, yeah, I mean, and I was of course really happy because in the early days I was getting the Dylan comparison, which is, which is great too. Yeah. But that's, that's a much more generic thing. And yeah. you know, that's just sort of, I knew that was All because folk. I had the harmonica. Yeah. I had the harmonica. I was playing the part, you know, um, and, uh, and I haven't really like mastered the, I was going more for the, the John Prine, Todd Snyder, Greg Brown, Loudon Wainwright, yeah. you know, um, all those guys is who I was pulling from. So I was happy to get, I think out of all those, John's the most famous. So I get him the most when I can get a, when I can get a Todd Snyder or a Loudon or do you know who Dan Byrne is by any chance? I have not heard of Dan Byrne. Yeah. He's, he's like on the smaller level, but he's a fantastic guy who was a huge influence on me. He's similar, nice. similar thing, you know, a, a humorous, yeah. satirical, we're all, you know, we're all just doing the Woody Guthrie thing, but in our own shape. Yeah. Yeah. So but Prime was Prime was big for me in my late teens when I first heard of him because of the um simplicity and the sort of uh you know, uh, ly- lyrical content of course. For sure. For sure. I so, love those lyrics. So so obviously both of those the the comedy side and the music side, they they both love telling stories and you obviously like yeah. to do that too. Um, Mm -hmm. and now I feel like most storytellers that I know, they have one story or at least a couple of stories that they really love. That's like their classic (laughs) that they just want to like weave into a lot of stories that even when they don't feel like talking, 
that story will get them revved up to want to talk. Do you have a go-to story that you just you really love to break out during concerts? You know, I'm way more like uh, I don't know if OCD is the right word or or specific, but I have the thing with me and my stories is that I'm always really self-conscious of repeating myself. I think it's because when I was a teenager, I saw third eye blind <laughs> mm. uh, twice in a row. I, um, I saw them like, you know, in LA mm -hmm. and then a few days later I went down to Irvine <laughs> to see them. And, you know, which is comical on so many levels, obviously, but you know, I was a kid, <laughs> um, but I really liked third eye blind at the time. Oh, and, yeah. um, but the thing is, is that uh, he, uh, which I don't, I don't criticize him for because I know how hard it is to tour and and you know. But he told the exact same, and he wasn't like a funny, you know. You weren't going there for yeah. the stories, but I thought it was cool that he did address the crowd, which was which was not a normal thing in the nineties. It was normal to like just not say a word. Yeah. But the guy, you know, the guy. Uh, I don't know. I forget his name, but the third eye blind guy. But but he told the exact same stories word word for word, like it was like <laughs> you were going to see a play. Yeah. And I just remember that that bothered me as a kid. You know, felt um, so generic because, yeah, because I, you know, when I had seen him in LA the first night, I was, I felt like, because they were, they were funny stories, you know, I mean, not, they weren't hilarious, but they were comical. Yeah. And, um, and so I just remember, and me and my friend talked about that too, because he came with me. He's like, oh, that, that was kind of sucked. So <laughs> I just made it a point. I just remember that stuck with me. So I, you know, I, I keep detailed notes of what I, what I tell. Yeah you know, each, each night. And then when I come back to that town, I make sure I don't tell a story again. Nice. So sort of for me, I kind of try to look at it from this, a similar aspect that a stand-up comic would do where I have, I sort of have my bit for the, for these, this tour. Mm -hmm. And then I tell it and ideally I don't tell it. You retire. In the exact same. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhat retire. And especially when I put it on a record, on a live record, then that's the ultimate nice. retire for me, you know? Nice. So, I don't know. It's, it's really hard. though. It's not something that um, I think is easy for any of us. But so to answer your question, there are some stories that I, that I that are great. But you know, I try not to. Do do you rely have, on them. do you ever get pushed in by a by an audience member that just yeah. like yeah, <laughs> that once which you... I think is so weird because that's <laughs> to me the ultimate counterproductive thing. I'm worried about my audience hearing yeah. something and then they'll yell out like. A bit that's on my album that they must have heard already. Yeah. Times. So that always weirds me out. But whatever. In the end, it's like you know, hey, I'm, I love I love some stories. Obviously. Yeah. So they, I'm not I'm not gonna fight them. <laughs> yeah. If they want to hear it again, you'll you'll give it to them again. Yeah. I, <laughs> exactly. I, I I have the same. So I'm I'm a I'm a teacher as well, and I have the same thing. If oh, I yeah. if I've had a student yeah. that I already have had in class. I'm always self-conscious that I'm like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to make that same joke. They've already heard it before. They're gonna look at me like, oh, he's yeah. reusing this crap. Oh God, it's lame. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, yeah, it's, it's yeah, yeah. I can totally understand. Um, now something pretty great that happened uh, fairly recently, 2017. Uh, Jack Johnson caught wind of your live album, uh, the mm -hmm. Capricorn in retrograde. Just kidding. Um, and, yeah. he, and he really dug it, and he reached out to you. Um, how did he reach out to you, and when he did, did you actually believe it was Jack Johnson? Like, did he get a hold of your management, <laughs> or was it directly to you? Hmm. He actually kind of went um, 
he did a uh, he went through one of his um, friends that works for him, and mm. she reached out to me first. And it was sort of a long convoluted thing, but she reached out trying to get me to come play in Oahu where he lives. Yeah. And, it, but I, I wasn't really biting. I was sort of, I didn't think it was, it was just, just some, some chick who wanted yeah. to play out there. So, um, but once, but then he reached out, he direct, he texted me and said, uh, this is Jack. He's got my <laughs> phone number. So I, I wasn't sure. Yeah. But, um, when he said, can I call you? And then he called me and, uh, I knew from that point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, at first, uh, yeah, I thought there was some confusion <laughs> for sure. <laughs> now, what, what did you learn yeah. when, I mean, when you got to tour with Jack Johnson, what did you, what did you take from that? Because I feel like that'd be a pretty, you know, obviously pretty impressionable time there for an artist to work with somebody like him. Yeah. Um, you know, I learned a lot. I mean, I learned a lot about like that world, which is, which is funny because that's so beyond my world, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think I just learned, you know, Jack's just really a great person to, to watch, to see how he handles sort of that level of, of success and, um, you know, the way he handles his team, the people that work for him, mm -hmm. everything like that was really inspiring. So, um, yeah, I think I learned some, probably some bigger lessons that I won't need to learn for a long time <laughs> or possibly never. Yeah. Um, but but I think also too, you know, it was a great challenge to perform in front of that many people. Yeah. Uh, the the way that Jack wanted me to, but um, you know, I, I, I did it, and also, yeah. But I think I also just learned, you know, sort of what works for me and how much I really appreciate the sort of intimate, you know, little theater gigs that I that I, you know I get to do, and for sure. Um, so that was not not of course not to discredit how wonderful that opportunity was. Yeah, well, well, after you toured with him, I'm guessing you got a fairly big uh, bump yeah. and jump in sort of venues sure. and tickets and whatnot. Um, and I know Definitely. I know, throughout your career, you've loved sort of just living that vagabond life. I heard at one point you talking about how you got more stories and you got more experience out of it when you were like going from couch to couch and spare bed. Do you still try to do yeah. that as much as possible now instead of actually, you know, staying in a hotel and whatnot? Yeah, you know, it depends. But, um, but yeah, I mean... What I found now, the best thing for me is really just going to the merch table and talking to the people. Yeah. I think the vulnerability of the couch now is a little bit be, maybe too much. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because what happened back then, it was just you were playing in a coffee shop and nobody... Nobody cared who you were. But, yeah. Yeah, but now I've, I think I've done a couple times where I've stayed on someone's couch where I was like, this is a bad idea because <laughs> they, maybe they're too much... They're too much invested in the in the music or yeah. the impression of me or whatever. So, I, to me, what's most important is just connecting with the people post show at the merch table, signing nice. autographs, you know, shaking hands. I think, um, you know, that's what uh, I miss so much. You know, now, you know, not being able to go out there, but that's something that I think I really, uh, I do, I really miss because of because um, that was just that's really special to me as far as like. Yeah, sort of getting to know what's what your fan base is feeling and getting you know going into and all that stuff. For sure, for sure. Well, uh, you know, with all those people that you've met, somebody you've actually met, uh, and obviously you know very well, and we've been lucky enough to have them on the show as well. And they were on your album, No Rain, No Roses, is the Shook Twins. 
Um, oh, yeah. How long, how long have you known Caitlin and Lori, and uh, how did how did you guys meet? Hmm. That's a great question. You know, I've known them forever, it seems, in the, from the pretty much the beginning of my career. I think we... I think we we celebrated like our twelfth anniversary wow. of friendship this this year. Uh, yeah, and we met in a really um, random way. They were living in Sandpoint, still uh, in Idaho, mm-hmm. and uh, I was playing a lot of gigs in Spokane with this one promoter named Patrick, who was a great great guy and put on great shows. And he he would set up the shows for me, and so he said, "Hey, you're going to open for um, this band called Chicklins. They're doing great. They." Uh, they got a great thing going. They just they were just getting started, and so I did a show where I opened for them uh, in Spokane, and then we just sort of became fast friends. And then the next time I came, they took me up to Sandpoint uh, and did a show there, and then sort of was family from then on. Yeah, yeah. So they jumped on yeah. uh, your recording, like you were saying. You had sort of a family experience there uh on the last couple albums and they did tumbling dice with you which of course is a rolling stone cover uh yeah how how did they become part of that song did you just reel them in while they were there and say hey we're doing this cover jump in yeah i mean that whole album was like that where it was just it was just going to be my sort of my immediate friends in in portland who were going to play drums and keys and guitar and then uh, it just it happened in a in Jan in a January when everyone was kind of off. So that's how people like Jacob from Fruition and yeah. um, Gregory Isaacoff and the Shooks, you know, they were just they lived nearby and they heard we were all hanging out playing music together. So they stopped in and uh, yeah, that's sort of where it came from. It was great. Nice. Now you actually played with yeah. the Shook Twins not too long ago. That was actually back in November um, at the Troubadour and. Yeah, that was great. As listeners know, we actually just had Lori Lieberman on the show, who she has a real connection with the uh, the Troubadour because she started writing Killing Me Softly there after a show. And I was just talking wow. all, all last week. Yeah, I was just talking all last week about how it was it in the 70s, the 60s and 70s. That was the place. I mean, you know, the the Eagles, Neil Young, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Richard Pryor, and just everybody that was there. And I know you being from L.A., that had to, to mean a lot to play at the Troubadour. What was that show like? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was wonderful, very surreal. I had been there one other time with opening for a band called ALO. Yeah. And... uh so uh, just being, you know, I got there early and explored the building and everything. But um, but yeah, it was uh, very awesome to, you know, my L.A. fan base has been slowly, you know, building over time and been yeah. sort of climbing the ranks. And it was such a nice moment to the thing about L.A. that, you know, it's, I understand it, but it sucks about, you know, trying to perform there as a normal musician. It's just much harder than uh, than other cities because you got to do all those like. Uh, they're not pay to play, but they're basically like bullshit. Like, um, you know, you play on the roster with yeah. five other people that aren't you don't know, and then they ask the audience who they're there to see, and at the end of the night they tell you how many people you brought and if you're worthy of payments or not, yeah. you know. And so uh once you start getting somewhat professional, it's really hard to be doing big shows in other cities when you get to LA and you get treated like a like a little pawn. Yeah. So um so it was it was that was like sort of my very first show where i just got to have the whole night to myself in la which is just 
in some ways, it was just my first sort of normal night in L.A. And it yeah. happened to be a sort of historical. And it was really cool because my dad, you know, um, lived in L.A. Uh, most of his life. And he um, used to go see the Neuron set there and everything. And so yeah. he was really stoked. Yeah, that's that's my my dad's a huge Linda Ronstadt fan too, actually. Um, so let, let's talk about the newest single, uh, "Part Wolf." Uh, this yeah. this song seems to have it's been out for about a month now, and it seems to have a, a real different feel than your your last studio album. There, you've got you've got driving drums on the track. You've got a bluesy feel to it, a bluesy soul feel. What was the inspiration for mm -hmm. the single? And did you, I mean, did you go into the song thinking, I'm going to make something different than I normally do here? Well, yeah, I think um, when the record comes out, you'll see that the record is, is whole record's in that vein. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah, I had been listening to a lot of that sort of kind of music. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the songs I started to write, of course, I wrote them by myself. So it's not like they, they were all that groovy. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, uh, you know, I tended to, I was feeling, I said, oh, these, you know, these have a different a beat to them than, than normally stuff. I normally write in more of a, of a Dylan strum. Yeah. Or, or at, mo at best, like a Neil Young, like Heart of Gold strum, mm -hmm. which, you know, which, which has a beat to it. But, uh, you know, that kind of country, so, but to start, you know, listening to a lot of Nina Simone, Bill Withers, and, you know, not, not obviously knowing my place and knowing that I'm not them, but I was thinking, well, could we get a, or something like, you know, yeah. could I get, could I go, could I go there? So <laughs> I hired, I hired these guys knowing that they were good at that, but I, you know, you don't, the way I make records, but you don't know until, and until basically you all get you get there yeah and and then uh then you know and so that was really cool so we kind of that was the first track we did together nice and from that that kind of that kind of that's why i chose it as a single because that kind of helped shape the rest of the record well it, it's it's really funny that you actually said bill withers because I, when i was listening to it i was like it gave me a bill withers vibe and i was i wrote it down oh, good. i wrote it down and then i was like i don't know if he because you know all of your other stuff like you said has had such a folk feel to it i was like i don't know if he wanted me to say that or not maybe i shouldn't say that but that's <laughs> no. that's exactly it, that's exactly what i felt yes bill withers was what i was feeling on that song um so the whole yeah, I mean, I'm always reluctant to say it because I don't want to sound blasphemous. I mean, I know, <laughs> I know how uncool I am, but and Bill <laughs> is, the, is the coolest. You know? He is. He is. So yeah, <clears throat> so I I'm reluctant to to set up anyone's expectations, um, but I <laughs> but yeah, I can always just really point out the influence. Huge. He was a huge influence. Nice. Awesome. Nice. The first three records were everything. You know? Bill Bill Withers has such a groovy vibe man such a good vibe uh, oh, yeah. so when's the yeah. whole album do we have a an idea when the whole album will be released or are you going to wait until after the hopefully the virus pandemic has calmed down or do we have a time yeah june 11th nice very nice okay yeah. so yeah we got a new single coming out next friday and then we'll get one coming out in may and then june very cool. Very cool. So I guess the plans uh, after now, I've seen you do a couple live Instagrams there. Um, I guess the plan after the virus is to, to get back on the road and uh, and promote the new album. 
Yes, please. When, when they let me, <laughs> I will be there. Awesome. Awesome. John, I want to thank you for coming on the show, man. It's been fantastic. Yeah, man. Awesome. Um, yeah, anytime. Anytime. Listeners, you can keep up with John at johncraigiemusic.com or you can follow him on Instagram at johncraigie. Right now, let's take a listen to uh, Part Wolf right here on the Doc G Show. I got that damn American meanness Sweet mama was a Los Angelina Sweet daddy told me all about my weakness How deep it would go Oh, you ask me if I have any regrets mm-hmm. What kind of life you live in having no regrets You tell your story but you ain't got no climax you best get back in the rain mm-hmm. And learn how to bleed Now oh, cause it's part of woe It's part island and it's part cold It's part violence I got my head inches from me Wherever I go It's part of love It's part demon
And we are back here on the Doc G Show, Spinnaker Radio. You just heard John Craigie. Yeah. Got a real bluesy feel there, Dave. That's, oh, yeah. you know, we talked about that. Yeah. We talked about that there in the interview about how that was, uh, mm-hmm. it, it's not his normal folk sound. Nope. And I got to say, I'm digging it. I'm digging it. Gotta go outside like the it. box a little bit, you know? Now, I do have to mention to the listener, I'm sure the listeners out there going, wait a second. They were just talking about Bill Withers and John Prine like they didn't pass away. And we're not being negligent of that, guys. We recorded that before uh, both of those guys passed away. So uh, condolences to both of those families. We uh, were unaware at the time. And I also find it really weird that both of those guys passed away and we talked about both of those guys specifically. It's very peculiar. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's very peculiar, but uh, the the world lost two legends in those two entertainers with Bill Weathers and John Prine. That's right. Very, True that. very uh, popular artist, very talented artist. But uh, John, I got to say his story about uh, college also made me sort of want to get another degree at, at, at UC Santa Cruz. I, I think just you like, can do it. <laughs> I just, I was like, yeah, it sounds awesome. <laughs> How's that make you feel? Well, pretty good. All right, nice. I don't have to do. <laughs> I mean, calculus two would have been so much easier if I would have got to do that in undergrad instead of actually doing derivatives and differential equations. I can tell you that much. Ugh. That's right. Yeah, it was horrible, Dave. Probably my least favorite class of undergrad. I don't know. Toss up. Or goes pretty high up there on that scale. Anyways, nonetheless, thank you so much to John Craigie. Maybe, yeah, thank you, sir. Maybe at some time, maybe, maybe Andy can get him on a show. Jeez. Ooh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Burn. Yeah, I'm just kidding, Andy. Don't make people stop listening to our show. Sorry. Um, Dave, are you ready? time for our last, last birthday suit yep mm-hmm. yes sir uh this one yeah, i think you got okay. i think you got you're you're okay. uh you're a fan of harry potter right mm, you watch the, the harry, potter? harry potter uh okay uh i gotta toss this up because it's in part of the clue what's the girl's name from harry potter how do you say that Her- mm. hermione Hermione. Okay, good. You did know right. how to say that? I had no idea. I've never watched any of them. I've never That's said right. anything. I didn't That's make right. I didn't make any effort to look up how you pronounce that. Only efforts how to look up Lil. Only that. Lil that was, yeah. Hermione and, is Emma Watson. Boom! There it is. I don't even have to give you a clue. That's just it. That's it. Nicely done. Emma Watson. There we go. But I'll give you the clue anyways. Born on April 15, 1990 in Paris, France. She's born in Paris. Uh, She lived in France until uh, the age of five when her parents divorced, and she moved to London with her mother. She started to... uh, France. She attended... No. No, Paris. Um, She attended the preparatory school known as the Dragon School. How cool is that? The Dragon Dragon School. School. Harry Potter. Which I gotta be honest, 
awesome name and the list of successful graduates from that school is ridiculous. Very tiny. Oh, like no, no just the, the the list of like their notable graduates <laughs> are oh, like I, all yeah. it's like Nobel laureates and like you know knighted people and like famous oh, actors shoot. and broadcast. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Basically, what I'm saying is, if you get in the Dragon School. You'll be famous. You're good to go. You'll yeah. be famous or you'll be a genius one. One of the two. That's right. Anyways, um, at the age of Oxford. six, she told her family she wanted to uh, be an actress. She started playing in uh, school plays. And at the age of nine, her dragon school teacher, Oxford theater teacher, gave her name to the casting agents for Harry Potter. Sweet. And wow. uh, she was cast for the part of Hermione. Granger, I guess, is the last name. Granger? Yep, Hermione Granger. Yep. Yep. Um, which I gotta say, like, I I, I saw I, I saw that part of her bio, and I was like, how do the rest of the kids in that acting class feel? Like, hey, thanks that you didn't suggest <laughs> my name to the right. all-time one of the most popular-selling series of all-time movies, literally ever. <laughs> I didn't want to be in that. It's cool. Thanks. Like, geez, how are you going to play that down? Anyways, since starring in Harry Potter, she's went on to do some modeling. She's also uh, been in several other movies, The Perks of mm -hmm. Being a Wallflower, This is the End, Regression, Beauty and the Beast, and uh, Little Women. Yeah. Seth Rogen was in This Isn't the End, too. Yeah, that was a connection between those two. I bet they talked about their birthday being April 15th together. Oh, to definitely. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she's turning the big 3-0. Oh, my gosh. Dang. Emma getting old. Getting old. Dang, all the 30. Wow. Yeah. All, Feels all, like she, just the other day she was on Harry Potter and like 13. All the Potters in the dirty <laughs> 30s, man. All the Potters. Yeah, all the kids there. My goodness. Jeez. My goodness. Old Harry Potter folks. Oh, come on. All right, Dave. This is where I tell you about the great shows. We've got some fantastic shows coming up. The next two, I'm extremely excited. We got uh, one fantastic artist from New York City. And then we've got one fantastic artist from Charleston. I can't wait. Nice. Yeah. We've got Hollis Hollis Brown coming up from Queens, New York. These guys, these guys rock it out. I was jamming on them last night. Pretty good stuff, Dave. Yes! They actually recorded this. I, I got I to ask Mike about this because uh, mm -hmm. I'm going to be talking to their lead singer, Mike. Um, I got to ask him. They recorded for their second album. They recorded a song on an unreleased Bo Diddley track. Say what? So somehow oh. they got in touch with the Bo Diddley uh, estate. And the mm -hmm. Bo Diddley estate was like, hey, we've got this uh, unreleased track of his that he recorded before he died. Do you want to record on top of it? Wait, what? And they let wow. him record on top of it. And they did. And that's one of their songs on their second album. Crazy. Crazy. Dang. Yeah, I'm going to ask him about that. Also, we've got, just as excited about this, Susto from Charleston. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Justin Osborne is their lead singer. We're going to be talking to him. They do a, a psychedelic psychedelic space country Word. is sort of what oh. you would explain their music as. There's something about him. I don't know what it is, but I like it. You're going to find out. 
There's something about his singing and the style of approach. It's just so good. He's got there. There's a song called Jaw Works that man, mm-hmm. I've been bumping it that. Works. I've, it works. It works, my friend. I've been bumping it so much lately. Oh gosh, mm. is bumping in? Nope. Is that what kids say? I don't know. Yeah, nope. the, I, I don't. I don't know what the kids say anymore. I don't think they say that anymore. I've been playing that song. On my Often. musical devices. <laughs> Anyways, we've got both of them. I'm extremely excited. That's coming up. Awesome. You guys got to tune in. But until next week, I have been your host, Doc G. With me, as always, Dave Burles, Berlin. As always, bearded. Until next week. Whew. Oh, God. I don't Sad. know if I can hand. Dave, you're going to have to send me a picture so I can post it on Instagram. I will. I will. Just so, Maybe so I'll we keep can the mustache. I don't know. I have to. Ooh, figure it out. can you keep a mustache? I gotta figure it out. If you can keep a mustache, mustache. do it. Do oh, it. So creepy. Oh yeah. Talk about a way to keep some social distancing, dude. If you got a good. If you got <laughs> a good six handlebar <laughs> mustache, but uh, your your hair is still all you know well groomed. Oh my yeah. god, you can't get more well, pervy I, I need than a that. Freaking haircut too. Mm, man, <laughs> that'll be good. Go for stash. Ask your boss if you can keep the stash. Yes! I, need I to. Fu- <laughs> Dave, I'm going to put on. Send me a picture right now of you with a beard. Before and after. And okay. I'm going to post on our story. Should when you have to shave for your uh for your job, should you keep a mustache? We'll see how many right. people want you to keep the stash. Okay. There you go. Until next week, guys, zip it up and zip it out. Zippity-doo-dah.